Welcome to BLHQ. I'm Stella Chu. And I'm Jenny Belly. This is our weekly podcast breaking down the Don May web novel, Heaven Officials Blessing, written by MXTX. We deep dive a few chapters at a time, discuss themes, cultural backgrounds, and our overall reactions. Spoilers abound and screaming will be had, so you have been warned. So a recap of last week's episode. Shi Ching Xuan and She Lian discover that Ming Yi, the Earth God, was imprisoned by Hua Cheng because Hua Cheng found out that he was actually sent by Heaven as a spy for the last 10 years. Lan Chan Cho comes to rescue them and fights Hua Cheng, but Shelian stops the fight and starts a small fire to distract them to run away. Shi Ching Xuan uses his wind to blow them outside, but inadvertently makes the fire worse, burning Hua Cheng's entire manor down. They return to heaven and Lan Chan Cho realizes that Shelian is actually the Guoshi Fang Shen, who murdered his entire family several hundred years ago. Shelian is placed in house arrest where Mu Qing and Feng Shen come to check on him when Hua Cheng suddenly appears and kidnaps Shelian away. Lan Chan Cho follows after Shelian and challenges him to a duel, but Shelian accepts but fights dirty, restraining Lan Chan Cho and tying him onto the floor. Chapter 49, Adroit Dice for the Safety of Only One. Lan Chan Cho says he can understand why Xie Liang wanted revenge for Shen Le, but he demands an explanation for why Xie Liang killed his parents. His voice starts choking up as he asks, did my parents and I not treat the remaining citizens of Shen Le well? I was friends with them and I did my best to protect them. This is true. After Shenla fell, the first few generations of the Yongan monarchy were cruel to the Shenla citizens, and some Shenla citizens even plotted to assassinate the Yuan nobility. Both sides had deep grudges. However, during the rule of Lan Qingqiu's parents, the king had a new attitude and treated Shenla people with compassion and kindness. Lan Qingqiu was raised with no prejudice against Shenla people. Even after the massacre, many citizens accused Shenla people for the coup, but Lan Qingqiu remained compassionate and protected the people and prevented a genocide. Aside, but now he feels really wrong and betrayed. Oh, poor thing. Lan Chan Cho mm. starts crying and he says, Guoshi, did I not do enough? Did my parents do something wrong? Why must you treat me like this? Don't you owe us an explanation? And Shelian just says, I can't give you one. And Lan Chan Cho says, You were never like this before. And Shelian says, Well, I told you a long time ago not to venerate me as a saint. I'm not like the person in your mind. In the end, you'll only feel disappointed. And this sentiment is repeated later. So remember that. Lan Chan Cho says, the past you or the present you, I don't know which one is the real you anymore. And Shelian says, well, they're all me. You were 17 then and you're older now. I'm teaching you a different lesson. Lan Chan Cho says, was it because you faced a trial at 17 that you turned my 17th into a trial too? And Shelian falls silent. And Lan Chan Cho grows angry. He says, if you wanted to fill my heart with hatred like you, I won't. I won't abandon myself. I'll, I'll never become like you. No matter what you do to me, I'll never become like you. And Shelian hears these heroic words and he can't help but burst into laughter. Lan Chan Cho is still on the floor with fiery tears and blood filled with passion. But he immediately deflates and is, becomes confused after hearing Shelian laugh. Shelian is still laughing even harder, and he claps his hand and says, Good, good. Remember what you said today, that you will never become like me. Just then, Hua Tun turns Lan Qingcho into a small Dorama doll, and it's one of those dolls uh, that people get during festivals, and you can look up a picture of it. Mm-hmm. I'll include a picture in the doc. Xian is alarmed, but Hua Tun leisurely flicks the doll as it sways back and forth, saying that even in this form, Lan Qingcho looks really foolish. Shelian picks up the doll and doesn't know whether to laugh or cry and asks Watson <laughs> to change him back. Watson says no and tells him to take him along and let's go. Shelian holds onto the doll with his hands and goes back to pick up Fang Shen, the sword, and follows after Watson. They eventually come to a cave where they hear hideous, chaotic singing. In front of them, they see green ghost fires and ghosts dressed in green with green lights on top of their heads. Huatun changes himself and Xielan into fake skin so they can sneak in. Xielan realizes that they're in the green ghost Chiron's territory. Xielan says, didn't Huatun destroy Chiron's lair? And Huatun replies that he did, but that was 50 years ago. And he built a new one since. Shailan asks to change Lan Chinchon back again, but Huatun says, no, take him with you. I, I need him to meet somebody. Meet someone. Uh, these mm-hmm. words have Shelian very curious. Who does he need to meet? 
They continue into the cave, which is like a maze, kind of like an ant farm with like hundreds of tunnels. But Hua Chung is walking around very confidently and without hesitation. They eventually come across a group of four ghosts who are dragging a train of rope-bound humans. The humans are young men and women, and there's even a child who is grabbing onto the sleeve of one of the men, who is probably his father. Hua Cheng changes their skin again to look like the young human men and join the group. They are led towards a large cave and the ghosts are yelling at the prisoner saying, no crying or snot, you'll ruin the great one's appetite. And of the four calamities, there's only one Qirong who is said to eat human flesh. Um, and that makes the other calamities sneer at him. Uh, Shelion reaches out for Hua Cheng's hand and he writes on his palm, save. He wants to save these people. When they reach the main cave, Huatun writes back, watch your head, don't touch. Chelian looks up at the ceiling and sees corpses hanging from their feet, suspended in midair. The faces of the corpses are all in pain and a layer of crystal salt is on their bodies. (laughs) That means that they're being turned into jerky. Yeah, basically. So gross. At the back of the cave is a giant chair and a long table laid out like a royal banquet table, which looks kind of silly inside of a cave. Near the table is a giant bubbling cauldron big enough for 10 people to swim inside. The ghosts are dragging the group of humans towards the cauldron, but Hua Tun has gone stiff and stopped moving. His eyes are blazing with fury, and Xielian follows his line of sight to see that there's a person kneeling before the giant chair. Then he looks again and realizes it's actually a stone statue of a person kneeling like a dog in a humiliating position. Shailian recognizes that statue and knows the face on the statue is actually his. Oh, no, not these statues. They're so terrible. I know. This scene kind of really messed me up, like learning so oh, many yeah. terrible learned things. learned so much. Um, so that brings us into chapter 50. Um, a little history lesson. When the kingdom of Shanla fell, the citizens burned down the crown prince's temples in anger. They robbed his gems and desecrated his statues. But even with all that, they were still angry. So they came up with this idea of building kneeling statues. They sculpted the crown prince's form of one who knelt and begged for forgiveness. And they put these statues in crowded areas so people could spit on them or kick at them. For 20 years after the kingdom fell, these statues were a common sight all around the town, so Shelion easily recognizes them. Just uh, as he's thinking about this, a voice of a young man says, That little hyena Pei Su had to hug the bitch legs of the man whore Pei Ming before he could ascend. Who does he think he is? Ruined my plans. Shelion sees a figure clad in green entering the cave wearing a mask surrounded by little ghosts. It is the green ghost Chi Rong. What a mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. He uh, definitely curses a lot. So cursing oh, yeah. in Chinese is very different from cursing in English. In, in English, we have specific words for cursing, like fuck, shit, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and bitch, and whatever. But in Chinese, they don't really have those specific words. Everything has to be strung together in an elaborate sentence. Mm-hmm. So it's very descriptive why, cursing. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see a lot of references to dogs and hyenas and other animals because uh, that's just how like they'll call you monkeys and stuff so this is how they compare you to like um, you're not even an animal yeah Mm -hmm. for a while since Xielian first heard of the four calamities he vaguely wondered if the ghost Chirong is the same name as the Chirong he knew in his past but perhaps this similar name was just a coincidence why would a ghost use his real name and not a fake one but now that he's heard Chirong speak, he is pretty certain it's the same person. Chirong and his ghosts are talking, and Shailan picks up that his henchmen have bumped into the exile Pesu in the mortal realm. And though Pesu is not a god, he has nothing better to do, so he killed all the henchmen. <laughs> <laughs> this had happened right after another group of henchmen were annihilated by Huatan in the ghost city. So now mm-hmm. Chirong is short of henchmen and is pretty pissed off. He curses, like ancestor, like descendant. That fucking man whore Pei Ming probably has sores all over his crush. I should chop oh off God. both their dicks and hang them at their temples. And whoever worships worships them will bleed pus with every step. Jesus Christ. Yeah, right? It's very, very yeah. elaborate cursing. Yeah. And uh, remember how Hua Cheng had briefly left Shelly on alone to deal with uh, trash? That was that was what happened. He was like yep. killing all the henchmen. That was like literally a, not even a day ago. Mm-hmm. Probably more like, like eight hours ago. Yeah, just like a few days. Yep, just just brief recently. So yeah. Chirong is pretty pissed off. 
Shalera wants to cover his ears as Chiron continues to curse out every single heavenly official. He even curses out Hua Cheng and Blackwater. But when Shalera turns to look at Hua Cheng for a reaction, he has no reaction and he's only looking intently at that kneeling statue. Chirong says, how was that thing I sent you guys to do? Have Quan Yi Zhen and that man whore Pei started fighting yet? And then he stops to sit on the throne and raises his legs to use the statue as a footstool. Hua Cheng moves to step forward, but Xiaoyan stops him and writes on his hands, thanks. Hua Cheng turns to look at him and Xiaoyan is watching him with gratefulness in his eyes, thanking him for his good intentions. Xiaoyan then writes the words, listen and heaven. It sounds like Chirong is planning something against the gods Quan Yi Zhen and Pei Ming, and Xiaoyan doesn't really care about his statues. He's seen it being used for like way worse things, and it's just a rock. It's not really him. So who is Quan Yi Zhen again? Quan Yi Zhen Have is... Have you been introduced to him? No, he has not been introduced yet, but he is one of the major gods. I believe he's the god of the West, okay. um, and... He's very important to another character we were already introduced to. So you will, okay. we will find out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the ghosts around Chiron reply to him that they're spreading rumors that Pei Ming wants to make Pei Su the new god of the West, which is currently Quan Yi Zhen's territory. Then they'll destroy Pei Su's temples disguised as Quan Yi Zhen's worshippers. There is a lot of unrest between the two right now. Chirong is pleased, and the, the ghosts turn to the human crowd to pick out Chirong's meal. The child in the group is scared and confused, and his father is trying to comfort him, even though he's scared too. The ghosts see the child and excitedly pull at him. But then Huaten steps out of the crowd and still disguised as a human, and Xielan wonders why he's not revealing his true form. Oh, tension's rising. Huacheng laughs and says, Why won't you all show a little respect in the presence of Shanlei royalty? And everyone is taken aback. And Chirong is confused and he's and he snorts behind his mask. He laughs and says, what fucking bravery to make such a joke before me? What branch of Shanlei royal blood are you from then? And Hua Cheng replies, I am the prince on Le. Shailian feels that the Daruma doll that Longchang Cho was turned into is jerking in his arms. Prince on Le was the descendant of Shailian of Prince An Le was the descendant of Shan Le royalty that was the same age as Lan Chan Cho, and the two of them were very good friends. But Chi Rong mocks Hua Cheng and says he's full of shit because Prince An Le was the last remaining royal blood of Shan Le and he had since died. Hua Cheng says, oh, how did he die? And Chi Rong is done with this and he roars, take down this odd piece of shit. A group of ghosts charge towards Hua Cheng, but Hua Cheng disappears and reappears behind Qi Rong. He grabs the back of Qi Rong's head and smashes it down hard like a ball and says, who the fuck are you to be so insolent before me? Oh my God. He's pissed. Oh my God. Immediate <laughs> mm -hmm. violence. What the hell? Hua Cheng smashes his head so hard that the throne explodes, spewing debris everywhere. Xie Liang shields the child behind him. The humans and the ghosts all freak out and run away. Meanwhile, Hua Chen slowly kneels down to grab a fist of Chirong's hair and pulls up his bloodied head. Hua Chen is oh. laughing, but his eyes are terrifying. Oh my god, this is such a crazy oh no. scene. Uh -huh. Xie feels like something is wrong and calls out Salang. Chiron's mask is cracked and he throws up blood, yelling, somebody stop him, come and stop him. But Watson chuckles and says in a friendly manner, didn't you know there are some things in this world that are unstoppable, like the setting sun in the West, an elephant squashing an ant, and for example, me taking your lowly life. Watson oh. bashes Chiron's face into the ground again. At this point, Chiron's body is smushed into the ground. His mask is half broken, revealing a face... That looks just like Xie Liang's. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Xie Liang is, like, super violent right now. Like, he is so yeah, mad. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on right now. So so just to recap, mm -hmm. Rong is somebody from Xie Liang's past. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to figure mm -hmm. out who because it has something to do with royalty, like, question mark, and royalty that, that was best friends with Lan Qin Cho. Yes, and we're talking about Prince Anlei, who was best friends with Lan Chan Cho. Um, and he he is he died, but we don't know how he died yet. But it's all tied mm. together. So a lot of things are happening right now. That brings us into chapter 51, truth or deception, difficult to discern. So the other half of the mask finally falls off and Chirong's entire face is revealed. And that's when it becomes obvious that he actually doesn't look completely like Shelion. 
Their nose, lips, and jaw are similar, but the brows and eyes are different. Xiaoyan's eyes are calm, while Qirong's eyes are thin and slant. Hua Cheng has changed back to his true form, and when Qirong finds out that it's Hua Cheng, he is furious. Hua Cheng says that he still didn't answer the question, how did Prince Anlei die? Xiaoyan is worried about Hua Cheng, who has like wild, frightening eyes. So he rushes forward and cries, Sanlong, are you all right? Don't be angry. Please don't be angry. Everything's fine. Calm down. Everything's fine. He rubs Hua Cheng's shoulder and softens his voice. When Xiaoyan was upset as a child, his parents would comfort him like this. And it seems to be working because Hua Cheng's eyes are finally turning clear and calm. Mm. And this is like the first time that anyone's ever comforted Hua Cheng. So it's like a big deal for him. Xiaoyan is relieved, yeah. but then Hua Chen turns and pats Xiaoyan's shoulder gently. This pat instantly freezes Xiaoyan's body on the spot. Xiaoyan realizes that he can't move or speak, and it's probably because he froze him. Qirong is heavily injured, but he still curses out, You fucking crazy one-eyed snake! Did I fucking piss you off while eating in my own fucking house? <laughs> Hua Chen only smiles and crushes Qirong's head into the ground again and again, and says, How did Prince Anlei die? This goes on for a while, and though Chirong can't die, he still feels pain. Eventually, Chirong yells, Lan Qingcho! He was killed by Lan Qingcho! The Dorama doll in Xiaolian's arms jerks and shakes, but Xiaolian can't move, so he watches it fall to the ground and spin like crazy. Hua undoes the spell, and Lan Qingcho is back in his normal form. He immediately points at Chirong and yells, How dare you insult me and smear my name? Anlei and I were friends. I didn't kill him. Chirong is shocked that Lan Chancho suddenly appears and he's like, what are you doing here? And Lan Chancho doesn't know why he's here either, but he doesn't care. He's too busy being angry at Chirong's accusation. He says, Prince Anlei died of an illness. Why would you accuse me of killing him? But Chirong says, died of a fucking illness? Only you would believe that. He died soon after the Gilded Banquet, so he must have been assassinated by you. If it wasn't you, then it was one of those old withering fucks in court. Lan Chancho is disgusted by Chirong and his vulgar behavior. Chirong is really sensitive to being called vulgar because he really wants to be respected and feared, even though everyone always like mocks him for being crude. Um, so Chirong mocks Lan Chancho back and says uh, that he's ignorant, that Shan Lei and Yongan people are impossible as friends, and that he's as fake as his shitty parents were. Chirong adds, "You're all nothing more than the descendants of some rebels. Who gave you the fucking right?" You robbed what was ours and then handed it back out like it was some sort of gift. Everything you owned had belonged to Shanla. And this is he's saying this because Lan Chan Cho's father, uh, when he was the king, the Shelyon's people's like nobilities, their titles were stripped from them when Yongan took over. And when Lan Chan Cho became king, he tried to make up for it by giving them their titles back. But it's sort of like you're giving back something that you already stole. Yeah. So it's kind of like really stupid. Ugh, war. War is war. so bad. Yeah. Lan Jincho is not good at arguing and is stammering and speechless. Chirong sees this and doubles down on his mockery. Even if you guys killed Anlei, it was a profitable death. Shanla lost one man, but Yoan paid an entire gilded banquet. Too bad we couldn't kill you too and have you taste what it's like to end an entire bloodline. At this, Lan Qingcho is confused. Xie Liang is mentally cursing but still can't move. He wants to bash Chirong's face back into the ground and shut him up. <laughs> Chirong is on a roll and starts boasting. Us Shanla people are thoroughly disgusted with you, Yong An. Whoever doesn't hate you is unfit to be called a citizen of Shanla. Did you really think that the royal descendants of Shanla would be friendly with the royals of Yong An? It was all to infiltrate your guard and wash your gilded birthday Jesus banquet Christ. with blood. I love how Shelyon is like normally super peaceful, but Chiarong just makes him super violent. Right? Oh, yeah. Lanchancho is full of anguish and he stammers, but the Prince Anlei and the Guoshi were, they were on the same side. He can't believe that his beloved teacher and his best friend were conspiring against him. But Chiarong confuses Lanchancho even more when he says, what? The Goshi had nothing to do with the plan. Chirong has no idea who the Goshi really was, and he continues to boast that it was all Anlei and the other Shanlin nobles that came up with the plan to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. However, on the night of the banquet, the Goshi suddenly busted in part way, and Anlei had to run away from the scene. 
And then after the Guoshi ended up becoming wanted for the crime, so Chirong and Anle let him take the blame. Wan Chencho is becoming even more and more distressed when he realizes that he hunted down and killed his teacher who was innocent. Dun, dun, dun. He nailed his own innocent teacher into a coffin. Lan Chancho turns to Shailion and shouts, if this is true, why didn't you say anything? Why did you say that you did it? Hwatsun undoes oh the freezing spell on Shailion. He can reply to Lan Chancho now, but instead of saying that what Chirong said was true, he denies it as complete nonsense. All these empty words, what proof do you have that the ones who spilt the blood were the descendants of Shanla? I killed your father. You saw with your own eyes. I caused a great wrong. This is my fault. There's no need to drag anyone else down with me. This man is full of deception, dragging Prince Anle's name through the mud. Lan Qingqiu is profoundly confused, and it is true he saw with his own eyes the figure of the Guoshi dressed in black pulling a sword from his father's chest. But just then, Qi Rong suddenly says, Cousin Crown Prince, is that you? Oh my god. <laughs> oh man, she's about to go fucking crazy. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh, hold on. Let's, do, let's just like, let's just talk about this for a yeah, second. You know, wait, 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 I don't want to rush <sighs> to the past because this is such a crazy yeah. scene. It's, There's so much happening. There, So many things are being revealed one after another in like quick succession. So mm-hmm. first we are led to believe that Shelion is the one responsible for the Gilded Banquet. And then it's revealed that the Prince Anlei was the one responsible for the Gilded bank- Banquet. And then it's revealed that, Sh- that Shelion had nothing to do with it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And Chirong and Prince Anlei were in cahoots together planning mm-hmm. this whole Gilded Banquet. And then Shelion, when he was disguised as the Guoshi, was the one who interrupted it. But then his sword was also in the king's chest. So, yep. like, what's, pound what, out, what Ronkow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the, the fact fuck? that Lan Qingqiu hammered, uh, nailed his corpse oh into God. a coffin. A right? like, three-layered coffin buried deep in the ground. And we know that Shelion can't die. So he mm-hmm. was just in the coffin for mm-hmm. a long, yeah. long time. So, yeah, what, yeah that's really fun. That's really oh, great. My and Chirong so is up. telling Shailion, cousin. So, hmm. Yeah. yeah, suddenly cousin. I mean, we you know saw earlier saying that they had the same kind of face, like very similar. Very so similar. it kind of makes sense that they're cousin. But how does this all work? Since everything happened over 800 years ago. Well, 800 years ago and then 600 years ago. And mm-hmm. everything that's been happening in the last... Like few case fix has somewhat involved uh, Xiaoyang in a mm-hmm. in a way. Everything and is related, <laughs> right? Like every piece of case fix he's been involved in, he ha- he was actually somehow involved yes. in. And we're learning more and more about his past as we go along. Oh, so yeah. good. Okay, so, good. so that brings us into chapter fifty two. Hua Cheng removes the fake skin on Xiaoyang, and Chirong is shocked when he sees him. Shelion and Chirong are in fact cousins. And then as Chirong looks at Shelion and the sword function on his back, he suddenly bursts out laughing because he realizes what happened. So that's it. That's it. Function was you. You were function. Ahahaha. I knew Lan Cho was stupid, but look who his teacher is. No wonder he's so fucking stupid. You truly learn from the best. You went to Yongan be- and became their Guoshi and ended up being stabbed to death by your own student? Is that not hilarious? You deserve it for making such a fool out of yourself. But as soon as Chirong says fool, Hua Cheng smashes his head down violently. But that doesn't stop Chirong from screaming fool, fool, fool. And every single time he says it, Hua Cheng smashes him down until he's nothing but oh a bloody God. mess. Oh my goodness. Shelion finally stops him, rubbing Hua Cheng's shoulder and says, San Long, let it go. I can take care of him. You sit back and ignore him. Jesus Christ, it's so fucking mm, violent. Yeah, I'm surprised if they ever animate this just because it's oh, so man. dark. It is really fucked up. I mean, they yeah. did animate the dark scenes in Grandmaster for the anime. So maybe, uh, maybe, 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 maybe no mm-hmm. censorship. Maybe hyperviolence is okay. That yeah. or they'll just. I love how they censor different- the kissing, but they don't censor the fucking violence. Like, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends. So now they're starting to censor violence. So oh, really? we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, bring it over to a Japanese studio. <laughs> they have no problem with violence. Yeah, seriously, please. <laughs> 
Jerome rolls on the ground and spits out, why play pretend with false kindness? If you really don't want him to hit me, you should have stopped him from the beginning, faking indifference and only telling him to let it go now. Shailan replies, I stopped him because I don't want him to dirty his hands. <laughs> Chiron giggles through his bloody face. Yo, cousin crown prince, you're getting along pretty well with Watson. I send my underlings to greet you during the ghost festival, but they never returned. So it was because of Watson. Remember that time that Shailan first met Watson on the ox cart? Watson secretly took care of all of the ghosts sent to antagonize Shailan. Chiron continues to say, calling him San Long. So familiar. How can you hang out with ghosts and demons? What about your reputation? You're so perfect, so pure, so flawless. Your halo shines upon all of this oh earth. <laughs> His sarcasm is even worse than Muching's. Oh my God. Like the shit that he says. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Chirong doesn't shut up and he continues to say, Cousin Crown Prince, I constantly thought of you over the years. Look, I even meticulously carved this statue to keep you by my side. What do you think? It's pretty well done, right? Do you like it? And the moment he mentions the statue, Hua Cheng's face darkens. But Xiaolian doesn't react. He knows that Chirong will only get more excited if you show a reaction. So Xiaolian only smiles and says, it's only all right. The craftsmanship is kind of low class. And just as expected, Chirong's face falls and he says coldly, if I hadn't carved you a couple statues, who would even worship you? You probably crawled and begged at Junwu's feet until your knees burst in order to ascend again. You're 800 years old and you only got so far. What a failure. But Shelyon only smiles and says, yes, I am quite the failure. Not like you, cousin. Already a savage class after 800 years? Meaning that he's only a savage and not the highest calamity level. Uh, Chirong's face darkens and he mocks Hua Cheng saying, Look at you all. The moment I say anything bad about Cousin Crown Prince, wow, look how mad he gets. Was he blinded by the holy light from your halo? My fucking god, I forgot. Wasn't he already blinded in one eye? But before he could even finish his sentence, Shelyon punches him so hard in the face that Chirong falls and spits blood. Oh, yeah. You can insult me, but you cannot insult my boyfriend. Yeah. How dare you um, insult him? Shelyon yeah. <laughs> says coldly, just because I never hit you in the past doesn't mean I will never hit you. Because he's defending his man. Chirong yeah. is immobile on the ground, but he still cackles. You hit me. You actually hit me. Our noble, compassionate, charitable crown prince who doesn't even step on his small aunt actually got pissed and swung his fist. He's hitting people. Incredible. Amazing. Lan Qingqiu is shocked at this behavior and says Chirong is crazy. And Xieliang so is crazy. used to seeing this from Chirong, but he says, you said it yourself. He's crazy. So don't believe anything he says. Chirong immediately stops laughing and sneers. Don't be so quick to tell people I'm crazy. Let me ask you, how did Prince Anli die? Watson was asking him earlier. Now Chirong is asking Xieliang. Lan Qingqiu looks at Xieliang oh. too. Chirong pulls himself up and says that he himself autopsied Anlei's corpse after he died, and his organs were pulverized by the vibrations of a powerful sword. He didn't know who did it back in the past, but now he can see that it was Shailian, who is the only one who has these kind of skills. Mm-hmm. Lan Chan Cho feels like his head is going to explode. Who is the real murderer? What happened at the banquet? What happened to An Lei? Chirong is laughing and he's about to say the whole story, but Shailian reaches out, reaches out for his sword. But before he can attack, Lan Chan Cho blocks him and says, let him finish. Shailian swings function, but then even Hua Cheng interferes with Yi Ming. Shailian is startled and he mm-hmm. cries out, Song Long! But Chirong can see that Shailian desperately doesn't want him to speak. So of course he's going to be more excited to spill everything. Chirong says that Anle was very obedient and listened to Chirong's plan to become false friends with Lan Qingcho. During the Gilded Banquet, the nobles of Shanle came and, and killed all the Yongan royalty in the hall. Xielian had walked in unexpectedly during the middle of the scene and tried to talk to Anlei, but when he found out the true extent of Anlei's plans, he saw that there was no reasoning with him. Xielian was forced to kill the last of his royal family with his own hands. Afterwards, Lan Qingcho caught Xielian and nailed him dead into the coffin. The entire time he's talking, Xielian is trying to stop him, but Hua Tim blocks him with Yiming. 
Chiron ends by screaming, ancestors above, look at what a good descendant you gave birth to. Not only did the Xie clan lose everything, even the bloodline is cut. Xie Liang, you ominous star, you god of misfortune, your existence is Shenla's greatest tragedy. How do you have the face to keep living? Lan Chan Cho says, how come he Mm. saw Xie Liang kill his father then? And Chiron laughs and says, Anlei was the one who stabbed the king, but the king had not died yet. When Shelion arrived, he had actually saved the king. But the king had said to him in despair, Guoxi, bring my son. Call everyone. I want the entire population of Shanle wiped out. I want to bury them all. And Shelion realized that if he let him live, there would be a genocide. So he had to kill the king. Chirang mocks Shelion and says that he always does things that harms others and hurts himself, always wanting to please both sides, but succeeding with neither. Oh, so Ooh. there you guys go. That's the uh, full story of what happened oh during God. the Gilbert Banquet. That's so messed oh. up. Like, really, yeah. truly, Shelion wanted everything to go well. Like, obviously, he became Lan Cho's teacher out of goodness and taught him everything. But with the rebellion, the coup, Shailan had to fall on his sword yeah. and become the scapegoat. Yeah, he 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 had to kill with his own hands the last, the last remaining member of his family. And then he had to kill the king who was nothing but kind to him. And even mm-hmm. in his last moments, the king was trusting Shailion. He had no idea who Shailion really was. And he yeah. was trying to help. He was trying to ask Shailion for help, but Shailion had to had to kill him. That's so messed up. I so know. messed up, so it's messed so up, It's so dark. Oh my God. Oh. Moving on to the next chapter, chapter 53. Lan Jincho is very distressed. Chirong also reveals that Anlei and Xianle nobles were responsible for the kidnapping attempt when Lan Qingcho was 12. Lan Qingcho is broken and says, good, I understand. So my friends are all fake. The people of Xianle never cared for our amity. Anlei never had good intentions and everything the ghost she said was a lie. Xianlang had told him as his teacher that Yongan and Xianle were but one nation at their root. Despite the conflict amongst the nobles, the citizens were innocent. As long as the people were happy, it didn't matter what the royal house was named. But now Long Cho thinks that all of this is bullshit. And this is exactly what Xelian was the most afraid of, that Long Cho is having a change of heart. He pleads to Long Cho and says, it's not true that he made some real changes during his rule, that the Shanlei citizens were able to peacefully merge with Yongan. But Chirong just clicks his tongue and insists that the Yongan dogs wanted to trample over Shanle and that uniting the countries were empty words. Lan Chancho can't take it anymore and he pulls out his sword and cuts Chirong in half and his guts are spilled all over the floor between the two halves. But the upper half is still crying out, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt compared to that punch from Cousin Crown Prince. You are nothing. Oh my God, oh. it's so violent. Yeah. Lan Qingqiu grabs Chirong's upper half and drags it to the boiling cauldron, leaving a trail of sinew and blood. Immediately, he throws the body in and Chirong is laughing and screaming until his flesh is boiled to mush. Violent, oh. so violent. Xianlang oh. is shocked. Lan Qingcho has always been straightforward, but never cruel. After a while, Lan Qingcho fishes out Chirong's body, which is melted into a lump of flesh and bones. It's still able oh. to speak, and Chirong says, Congratulations, cousin. Look at your good disciple. He knows how to torture now. Lan Qingcho drops him into the cauldron again, and this time even his bones dissolve and there's nothing left. Xielian calls out, Chirong. Xielian's younger cousin used to idolize and praise him and wouldn't shut up about him. But after the fall of Shanle, he became a madman. And he even led the burnings of the temples and commissioned the kneeling statues to make Xielian suffer even more. Xielian thought it would be best to just ignore him and keep his distance. So after a few years, they lost touch and Xielian thought that Chirong had died. Xelion laments that after meeting again after such a long time, it's like this, and Chirong is dead. But actually, Hua Cheng speaks up and says, he didn't die. This is just a clone. If you want to eliminate him completely, you need to find his ashes. Lan Chan Cho says coldly that he vows to capture him and use his ashes to pay respects to his parents. 
He uses his sword to slash the cauldron and leaves. Oh, my Lachan Cho's dark arc, his villain arc. <laughs> oh my god. So oh yeah guys like Lanjin Cho yeah. you know was all might he's the goodest just boy justice. and he's so naive and innocent even though he's a god and now he's had to replace his core memories with even more betrayal yeah he's literally torturing someone for the first time in his life yeah and just because Xieliang's betrayal has been absolved it doesn't stop everything else that has come out to have been worse you know what what Lan Cho said um earlier was pretty perfect he says good I understand so my friends are all fake man that's true like everyone yeah. he ever trusted who wasn't yes. a part of his family has betrayed him yes and his entire worldview has completely shifted yeah. Hwaten tells Xieliang to let him go and that he needs time alone since he just learned the truth. Xieliang asks why it's necessary for him to learn the truth. But Hwaten says that it was important that he knew what was done by Xieliang and wasn't done by him and knew why Xieliang had to do what he did, which really clears Xieliang's name and protects him. I mean, that's kind of Hwaten's goal. Xieliang mm -hmm. is angry at Hwaten and still feels guilty towards Lanqing Cho. He still killed the king who believed in peace. He still killed the last of his bloodline. And he says, I did this. I bring misfortune. I brought it to the Prince oh, Anle, no. to Chirong, and to everyone in Shanla. Is it not better to hate one instead of all? Must he think that everything I taught him was false? Xieliang really oh. wants Lanqing Cho to only hate him instead of the entirety of, uh, the entirety of Shanla's people. He's self-sacrificing and wants Lanqing Cho to keep his sense of justice and innocence instead of being tainted by revenge and hatred. And it's a very interesting <sighs> relationship between mm -hmm. the two. Just remember yeah. that because we're going to see a, a mirrored version of this later on. And, you know, Sheila oh, really yes. has a pure heart, a good heart. And he really wanted Lanqing Cho to not become this bitter person. He wanted to protect him yeah and when Lan Chan Cho says you know I will never become like you I, you want me to be hate like before he found out the truth he was saying I you want me to be full of hatred but I will never become like you and Xieliang started laughing like that was his original goal he wanted him to be different he wanted him to make better choices and never be full of hatred but in the end he he didn't get what he wanted <sighs> yeah so sad. Uh, uh, Hwaching's watching him quietly as he shouts, and he doesn't even argue back. Xieliang then covers his face and feels sorry, apologizing to Hwaching for shouting. But Hwaching says, no, it's my fault. And Xieliang replies, no, you're not at fault. This is my problem. What a mess. And he sits on the floor. Hwaching sits down next to him, and after a while, he says, what you did wasn't wrong. The Yongan king was killed to protect the remaining Shanla people. And Prince Onle was killed to prevent the two clans from fighting. Lan Chan Cho killed the murderer to lay justice. These three lives were exchanged for centuries of peace. It's worth it. If it were me, I would have done the same. Listen to me. You weren't wrong. No one could have done it better than you. Ah, oh, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Leon feels so guilty and he feels that no matter what he did, he did the wrong thing and everything ended poorly and in tragedy. But, you know, Huacheng could be right. It could have been worse if Xieliang didn't do what he did. And thanks to his actions, there were centuries of peace, even if the truth was ultimately covered up. Yeah, at least the general populace doesn't know, yeah. and at least the people who involved have all either passed away or now ascended as gods, mm -hmm. and they can't really take revenge mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Xieliang then says, I just don't think it's right for someone to have been kind, but received a bad end. Even if it's fake, I want Lanqing Cho to remember that doing the right thing will be reciprocated. Now he thinks everything I taught him is a lie. I don't want to see anyone go through what I've gone through. <laughs> So I've included some major spoiler notes that I, it, it's in the doc, but I don't think we, maybe we shouldn't say it in the podcast. I'm not going to say okay, it. Okay, okay. No, you can say the yeah. non-italicized version part. Oh, so, yeah. gosh. The non-spoiler um, notes. Yeah. Shannon knows that giving kindness doesn't mean you receive kindness, but he still taught altruism to Lanqing Cho and wants Lanqing Cho to believe in being kind, even if you don't get anything out of it. Xielan feels it is unfair that the first few generations of Yong'an rulers were cruel, but they, at least they had died peacefully. However, Lan Cho's parents wanted peace, 
and they died cruelly. The world is very unfair. Uh, some really tough life lessons right now. Yeah. Shalion's eyes become unfocused as he says, I really can't forget the look on his face when my sword penetrated him. And this is a really interesting comment because Shalion this entire time has always said that he can forget his own pains. Like whenever he's injured, he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Or when he got trampled to death during the Bonway arc in the past, he's like, oh, I don't remember that. It was such a long time ago. Um, so he's really quick to re- forget his own pains, but it looks like he will always remember the pain that he causes other people. And he's like racked with all this guilt. Uh, Lan Chancho's father has always treated him with respect and never distrusted him and had dedicated his entire life to creating peace. And when he had tried to talk to Anle that night, he was only going to warn him to stop causing trouble. But Anle was mad with revenge and with a voice high with excitement, he swore to annihilate Lan Chancho and cause havoc in Yongan. And he didn't care if Shanle people died as long as Yongan could be dragged into the depths of hell. Xiaolian knew that there was no way he could change his mind, so he had to do what he did. Xiaolian still feels that no matter the reason or justification, murder is murder, and he killed with his own hands a king that wanted to end discrimination, and he also killed the last blood descendant of his family in the world. So he deserves all the blame. And oh my God, Shelian, please stop self-deprecating yourself. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so messed oh, up. Oh, this is pain. <sighs> pain. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, uh, guys, I, I hope you leave this chap- this podcast crying because of all of the bad things. And just like really think about just how many bad things have happened uh, to Shelian. Really? And it wasn't. I mean, it's some of his fault, but it's not all of his fault. It's just that he just doesn't know how to deal with all of the moving pieces. And he's not selfish enough to see things. He just, um, he'd rather be hurt himself than see anyone else hurt. And he just, (sighs) and like, uh, remember how Shelyon mentioned the the story of the three people, the two people fighting for food. And it's like, even though Mm. you try your best to help the situation and help both sides, like it's, he's right. Like sometimes there's nothing you can do. And no matter how much you want to help, like terrible things still happen in the end. Uh, Yeah. It's um, in this wuxia type of world, most wuxia series, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people mm-hmm. all the yep. time. The common theme. So chapter 54 in the cannibal lair, Ghost King faces heavenly officials. Xianlian says that Qirong is right, that he is a failure. And Watson says gently, don't believe in the words of a useless trash like him. He has nothing going for him. The only thing he's good at is not dying and running away. He can't even level up to a supreme after 800 years. Even beating him up would only dirty your hands. Xianlian thinks that he is the same, also only good at not dying and running away. And he has also <laughs> accomplished nothing in 800 years. Maybe Shanlan doesn't like Chirong because he reflects his own worst traits back at him. Shanlan stands and goes to the statue, whose face is scrunched up, crying, and very ugly. He uses a blow to destroy it into a thousand pieces. He calms down and returns to his usual gentle expression and says he wants to rescue any humans still left in the cave. Watching and Shelion explore the cave, capturing any stray ghosts and finding the humans that were captured for eating. They free at least 300 humans. As they walk, Shelion asks Huacheng, how did he know the truth behind the Gilded Banquet? Huacheng reveals that he learned that Qirong was a Shanle royal when he was alive, and that he hated Yongan and was responsible for many major assassination plots. And the Gilded Banquet is exactly Qirong's style, so Huacheng always suspected that it was Qirong behind it, and maybe the Guoxi function was his subordinate. But when it was revealed in heaven that Shelian was actually the Goshi function, he realized that there is no way that Shelian and Chirong were working together. And this is kind of a hint that Huacheng is revealing that he knows so much that goes on in heaven because literally Shelian being the Goshi function was revealed like, like mm-hmm. two hours ago. And like, how did Huacheng figure yeah. that out already? Huacheng deduced that since the Shanlei royals still held a grudge, even though the Shanlei commoners were happy in Yongan, Prince Anlei must have been involved, especially since his death was mysterious. Chelan is impressed with Huatun's deduction abilities, but asks him how did Huatun know that Xirong started it and not Xieliang. Huatun says, 
it wasn't that I believed he did it. I just believed that you didn't. You told Lan Ching Cho the reason you did it was I couldn't stand seeing you in that position. And if it was anyone else who said that, I might have believed it. But coming from you, it's a pretty poor attempt at tarnishing your own name. Shailan says, how do you know if it's a lie? <laughs> Maybe deep down I have some sort of hidden resentment. And Watson says, thoughts are thoughts. You wouldn't have acted upon them. It shows that Watson knows Shailan so uh, well. Yes, yes. And, and, and okay, I just, real, I just realized the, the thoughts are thoughts. You wouldn't have acted upon them. Comes Ooh. back up in book four oh. in a really major way. So like, remember that, you guys. For our, remember yes. that. Hold that. Yes, that's Shailan really good. is speechless and then <laughs> says, I just think it's best for people not to have too much hope in another. Don't think someone's overly perfect. Once acquainted and you grow close, one day you'll end up finding that this person is not who you imagined and you'll be very disappointed. Basically, he's saying that putting people up on a pedestal um, is bad. He doesn't want to disappoint anyone or be disappointed. So that's why he keeps his distance from people. Holy shit. I like actually Mm -hmm. feel this quote. Um, Right? It's so relatable. Yeah. I constantly am like, I can't wait till I disappoint this person. And they slowly stop being my friend. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, isn't that just a (laughs) fucked up way of thinking? Like, you don't want to grow close to people. You don't want because there is definitely times where I'm like, Oh, like, I don't want people to know my real self because I feel like I'm kind of annoying and they're going to be annoyed by me when they get to know me and they're going to be disappointed by me. Like, I'd rather they think I'm like this cool person as opposed Jenny, to like my real annoying Jenny, asshole. Jenny, I like, feel the bro. same way people, I, I'm constantly am yes. afraid that people oh are going to find me annoying and insensitive yes. and like yeah, all this kind of like inconsiderate. Yes. Like, because, because no one is perfect and you know everyone has flaws and like it's crazy that I can I can accept this about other people like I know that no one's Mm -hmm. perfect I know that people have flaws I know that people can say things that they don't mean or mess up sometimes but like I cannot accept this about Mm -hmm. myself for some reason and like I I have this like especially as like a a a person in like a public eye like it's it's more scary Mm -hmm. to put your real self Mm -hmm. out there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it's fateful. Oh my god, I totally <laughs> understand. It's something I struggle with all the time. It's like one of my core fears is that like oh, shit. people will love me at the beginning, but slowly fall out of love because they realize that I'm not yes. what they thought that oh my god. I was. Hundred percent relatable. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Oh my god, this book. <laughs> this book. Oh my god. Oh. It's our therapy. It's okay. our therapy. Uh, it is therapy. Oh my god. <laughs> but watching replies, you never know. I don't care if anyone else is disappointed. To some, the very existence of a certain person in this world in itself is hope. (laughs) And this is a callback to, you remember in Poochie Shrine when Shelion had confessed to Hua Cheng that in his past, Mm -hmm. he told someone to make him the reason Mm -hmm. for living? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. This is a very, very important callback to that scene. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) And when Shelion hears Hua Cheng say this, he stops He stops walking and his heart feels light. And he says, San Lang, who are you really? You knew who Chirong was. You knew who I was. You knew how to paint the crown prince of Shangla. You seem to know everything about me. I have always had this feeling that you're someone from my past, someone I must have known early on. Maybe even during my ascension or even earlier, but I don't remember. When have I ever met someone like you? Who are you really? Have I met you before? And Shelion feels like truly if he met someone like Hua Cheng, he could never have forgotten him, <laughs> but he doesn't remember him. Oh my God. So when you were reading the book, did you know who Hua Cheng was at all? No, I had zero clue that wow. anything was connected. Like the anime makes it so obvious. Yes. They show flashbacks of Hua Cheng growing up and his multiple like stages through the different ages that he appears in the book. But as a reader, I only knew Hua Cheng in his ghost form. Like I had no mm. idea who he was. So this was like a complete shock to me reading later mm. on. Yeah, because when I started reading, I had already watched most of the anime and I have already like uh, through you learned a lot about all of the different characters and everything. So I knew that Watson was the little boy from before, but it's nice to know that when you don't know, Mm -hmm. you the way she builds it up is really great. 
So Watson smiles, but doesn't respond, of course. Freaking just defect, <laughs> def- defecting or de- de- deflecting. You know, when, deflecting. Yes. There we go. She's just deflecting. <laughs> So Xie Liang immediately realizes that what he has asked was very inappropriate. A ghost's real name and true identity are usually a secret. Chi Rong's identity was revealed, but he's an abnormality who reveals his identity and like doesn't really care. Xie Liang quickly says, sorry, don't mind me. I was just asking. You don't have to answer me. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Just then, they hear the voice of Xin Qin Shuan approaching them, saying, I told you my powers are stronger in female form. Even my luck is better. We rolled right this time. <laughs> <laughs> Xin Qin Shuan appears, and when she sees Xianan with Hua Tun, she immediately pulls out her fan into an attack form. Right behind her is Fenqing, holding a black bow with a silver string, high on alert. Xianan quickly tells him to lower their weapons and talk. Fengxin's bow is called Fengshen, gifted by Jin Wu, and it is extremely <laughs> powerful. He is aiming it at Hua Cheng and tells Xie Lian to come to their side. But, but Xie Lian stands in front of Hua Cheng to shield him. But right then, Hua Cheng comes to grab Xie Lian and pull him behind him, shielding him back. Chi <laughs> Ching Xuan is alarmed, and she says loudly, Hua Cheng, crimson rain sod flower, d- d- don't do anything rash. The burning of your paradise manor was an accident. If you're displeased, we can talk. The heavens can pay you back. His majesty isn't short on cash. Let go of his highness and let's talk. <laughs> I'm just imagining it like, oh my gosh, Shayla like stepping forward and then Watson stepping yeah. forward and then Shayla stepping no, forward. No, yeah, he's like, no, I'll shield you. No, I'll shield you. <laughs> it's a nice little cute moment. Yeah, in the middle of all this chaos. Oh my God, oh. yeah. It's like, I couldn't even laugh during the scenes with the reveal because I was like, this is like, so fucking serious right now like oh, people are fucking serious. oh man it's like fucking scary oh <laughs> yeah. my god this is a very good place to end now that we've basically finished yes. all of that exposition about the past oh it's yes. a lot to take in That's you guys good, we just yes. learned so much so much so much about uh, how <sighs> of our boys and now you guys <sighs> have met Chirong properly and actually gotten to listen I, to him and see <sighs> Oh my god, fucking Chirong. So the crazy thing is, um, Chirong, when I was reading the book and I had no idea, like I I could like I vaguely remember, like, oh yeah, he's related to Shaylian, like he's he looks handsome or whatever. Like, but he was like the shit that he was saying and the way he acted was so disgusting and nasty. I thought he was like a little disgusting gremlin, like a nasty, wrinkled little like monster. But then I see the anime and the way that they drew Chirong, he's like so fucking hot. It's ridiculous. But like I I completely 180 and I'm like, now nah, I'm a fan of him. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He's yeah, he's extremely hot. He's like a Yandere. Yeah, he's like so hot. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like that's not fair. I like his like because he has like um like ears that are pointy. His yes, demon ears. Mm-hmm. And I like the green. It's very flattering on him. Yeah. Like why is he so cute? Why is he such an asshole? Like what the fuck? I, like, he's so terrible. Oh my god. I actually haven't seen a very good Chiron cosplay. If you have any people you've seen Me? I think I've seen some like on Weibo, but I ha- I don't have them saved, mm-hmm. so like I don't know what they look like anymore. But man, there's been some. There's been a couple good ones. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to see some Chirong. Oh, yes. that'd be nice. I love him. <laughs> I love him and I hate him. Like I just, I know oh, he's so disgusting. He's but so like, gross. damn, damn, he cute. <laughs> oh my god, wait, does do we ship him with anyone? I forget. Or is he by himself? Um, so they have some ridiculous ships, like crack ships. Oh, the, the, um, the, no, I don't. I'm not interested in crack ships. I'm interested no, in like yeah. semi cannon ships. No, 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 because like later on, Chirong gets like a kid, so they, he's like too busy being dad. <laughs> Yeah. oh man oh god guys guys it's been so great yeah. welcome to episode yeah. 11 oh like we gosh. we we finally like came across like one of the big big reveals in this like there's so many more reveals but we came across one of the big ones mm-hmm. and it's it's it feels good yeah feels good. i mean 800 wow. years is a very long time to unravel a lot of dark past a lot of stuff yeah oh my gosh <sighs> so good <laughs> okay let's do our off topic now um okay i'll start with my off topic i was talking last okay. week about mistakenly saving the villain and i just finished it actually Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend it. It's worth the read and it it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Oh, I okay. really like the characters a lot. Um 
the main character, I mean, I talked about him a little bit last week, but I guess I can expand yes. on him a little now. The main character is a like a studious person who loves to research, loves... Okay, so I, I compare a lot of, like, characters from fiction to people with like legitimate autism and okay, yep. which is interesting that like when people write fiction they really um exalt pe- like people with like autistic features such as people who are very um picky about things they mm-hmm. um are super good at certain uh skills and are like you can pick it up immediately and are, are fantastic at like unprecedentedly fantastic at things um Mm-hmm. And are have a really hard time communicating with other human beings, um, and like reading people's facial expressions, uh, conversating with other people. So these are all mm-hmm. like the the most common traits of autism, and I find that it just it, it's so interesting. Like, I don't know why, but it's it's co- it's very common throughout all of like Asian fiction. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, the main character is the studious type. He cares so much about. Um, medical the medical field that he will literally not eat and just study for mm. like weeks and weeks hyper-focused. on end. Super yeah. hyper focused, and he has a lot of trouble communicating with other people to the point where like he will just like say things that don't make any sense, and people would just look at him like he's crazy. And then he gets feels really bad afterwards oh. because he thinks that oh I, I no one likes me because I'm like probably weird or ugly but in actuality he's just they, no one knows how to communicate with him like and right because he's so awkward yeah he's super awkward but it's like really endearing um to uh-huh. see because like i mean like a lot of my friends are autistic and um mm-hmm. i'm also neurodivergent so it's nice to see the perspective of somebody who honestly feels like these like these kind of sad feelings you know it, it yeah. sucks to be treated differently like relatable yeah, yeah and like his his room his like love um the the gong or whatever he mm-hmm. he's so accepting to the point where he just loves to watch him be himself and it just like makes me so happy oh. i love oh it goodness. when like somebody's weird and the other person just loves them like thoroughly completely yeah, and doesn't just, judge them just, yes i love these that's why i kind of loved so much of mxtx novels because they are just full of these characters that have like devotion and like unmovable love and just like no matter like any whatever like they get into so many situations and terrible problems but like the 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 underlying love is like always there and it's Mm -hmm. like just devotion and like oh it's so good (sighs) that transcends generations and reincarnations and thousands of years Mm -hmm. yeah so Uh, if you want like happy feels definitely mistakenly saving the villain has a lot more happy feels than it does sad feels um it's i would say it's like maybe five percent angst and like 95 percent like making me feel so nice inside oh oh, it's so nice i love it yeah yeah, it makes me kind of want to reread it again because, like, you know how I speed read stuff? Yeah. Sometimes I miss a lot of details, so <laughs> I want to go back. The same with Urha. I want to reread yes, Urha. Yes, I, That's kind of why I like reading it myself because if i like, listening to an audiobook, I can't, like, reread certain, like, paragraphs or whatever. But like, when yeah. I'm reading a book, I'm, like, when I really like a scene, I want to live in that scene longer. So I end up rereading the same fucking paragraphs over and over again just to, like, really soak it in. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> so good what's your off topic this week uh so i actually haven't had that much time to read anything new um this and the, and the last thing i read was like a really short smut fanfic so i don't even know if i should talk about it or not <laughs> why not um okay it's a little it's a little it's a little out there okay <laughs> so it's a fanfic about murazushi um and this is just, it's just I only read it because uh, it's really short and it showed up in my email because I follow the author. And every now and then this author, her name is Vesna, and she's like very, very like well known in the Modazushi fanfic writing world. But every now and then she writes like random like little smuts. And this one is wow. OK, I don't even know how to say this, but OK, here we go. <laughs> OK, so wait. So this is in the modern world and Wei Wushan and uh, Long Wanji are both like they work together in an office, like they're just coworkers. And uh, Wei Wushan has this idea. He thinks that uh, Lanjan is in love with Mian Mian. Remember the girl <laughs> that he thinks mm. had a crush on. So um, they're drinking after work one day, and he's like, 
um, he he thinks that Lanjan likes Myanmar, but he's too shy to approach her or ask her out. And they're getting drunk. Well, Lanjan's not getting drunk, but the other two are getting drunk. And he drunkenly suggests that he, Myanmar, and Lanjan have a threesome. <gasps> and he's like, you know what? I'll just slip out while we get started. And then Myanmar and Lanjan can like, you know, fuck it out or whatever. And so... <laughs> And so Lanjan only agrees because he wants to get weighing in any possible way that he can possibly get him. And if it's going to be a threesome with this girl that he's not even interested in, like, fucking fine, let's do it. And so and so they, like, are starting to have this threesome. But then, like, halfway through, Myan Myan is, like, way more interested in seeing Weying and Lanjan like go at it and Weying is really confused because he's like why isn't Lanjan paying attention to pay, paying attention to Mian Mian I thought she I thought he had a crush on her like what's going on and like Mian Mian's just like on the side like taking care of herself while the two of them are like hooking up and like Weying is like super confused but he's like super horny because Lanjan's like giving him the bedroom eyes and like like holding him down and stuff and so like yeah things happen and then um Yep, <laughs> that's the story. Delicious, good soup. It's so yep. funny, and it's the way that it's written. It's through Wang's point of view, and the entire time he's like super confused because he's like, you know, he like he wants to be a supportive bro, like he's there as a homie. He's just trying to help Lanjan hook it up with his girl, and then but the entire time Lanjan's like ignoring Mian Mian and just like like pinning him down and like doing stuff to him, and he's like, oh wait, what's going on? Like I thought what's going on i'm so confused and it's oh my god it's so fucking hilarious like heck uh, yes so funny love so good it. i'm gonna put the fucking link in the, in the it's oh it's really god. really short and i'm uh, i'm gonna put the link in the thing yep <laughs> there it is beautiful beautiful yes. <laughs> good stuff this is what we came here for Ten out of time a plot just great plot <laughs> good plot oh good <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening and please follow us on Twitter. You can also support us on Patreon where you can get a lot of extra things such as yes. the uncut version of our show, our show <laughs> notes, and also our bottom show, which is an extra 15 to 20 minute podcast where we talk about other BL stuff. And remember, once acquainted and you grow close, one day you'll end up finding that this person is not what you imagined and you'll be very disappointed. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye, too everyone. Sad, too sad. Good night. Bye.